today I want to continue part two, a revival of spiritual leadership. I want to talk to you, uh, I want to continue the story, read the continuation in our text, 2 Kings chapter number 23. Is that correct? There it is, yeah. I had the verses down. I couldn't remember the chapter, but I got it right. 2 Kings 23, begin reading at verse 25. And like unto him, Josiah, was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Notwithstanding, of course, the prophetess told the messengers Josiah sent, Josiah, you won't experience it, but I'm still going to send my judgment. So verse 26 tells us, Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah, because of all the provocations Manasseh had provoked him withal. The Lord said, I'll remove Judah also out of my sight, as I have removed Israel, and will cast off this city Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, My name shall be there. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So here's the end of Josiah's life. In his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went unto went up against the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates, and King Josiah went against him, and he slew him at Megiddo when he had seen him. And his servants carried Josiah in a chariot dead from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem and buried him in his own sepulcher. And the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in his father's stead. And Jehoahaz was twenty and three years old when he began to reign. And he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hamatal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. Look at verse 32. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all his fathers had done. After all the reform, after all the changes that were made, after the revival, the resurgence, the coming back to the Lord that took place, and we talked last week, the immense reforms Josiah made, all the things he tore down and burned and destroyed and beat to dust. In one generation, it was all back. After all the reforms, the people fell back into apostasy far away from God once Josiah was off the scene. Here's what I want to talk to you today about. This sort of thing happens all too often. Because every generation must choose for themselves. Every generation must choose for themselves. I wonder if you could right now put your Bibles down. I want you to close your eyes. I believe I have a word from the Lord today for someone. And I want you to pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts to receive 
what he would speak today. Lord, we thank you. You are in this place. Your presence is in this place. You are Alpha. You are Omega. You are the beginning. You are the ending. We are your people, O oh God, and we turn ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you, Lord. We seek after you today. Speak in these next few minutes, I pray. Let the Holy Ghost speak to our hearts. Let your Spirit speak to us today. In the name of Jesus. But he said, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. As I said, this sort of thing happens all too often. Revival takes place. Churches turn their heart to God. People begin to receive the Holy Ghost. Things begin to turn around and good things begin to happen. And then with the passing of time, things begin to fade. And memories of revivals that used to be fade. And a new generation arises on the scene. Every generation must choose for themselves. Generations before this in 2 Kings 23. Generations before this that we preached about and talked about last week. The leader Joshua had stood before his people and pled with them to choose for themselves. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. Either the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Make a choice because it's up to you. We don't inherit revival. It doesn't just happen because we're his kids. Somebody has to choose. And so Joshua said, make a choice. You've got the gods your fathers served you got the gods of the Amorites. He said, but just so there's no confusion, as for me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. Joshua realized every generation must choose for themselves. Every generation must choose revival for themselves. Acts 2.39, the apostle Peter standing preaching at Pentecost talking about this outpouring of the Holy Ghost, he said, this promise is unto you, and it's to your children, and it's to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What Peter was saying is everyone has been given this promise, but not everyone makes the promise their own. Everyone has been promised an outpouring of the Spirit, but everybody has to claim that promise for their own. You can't live off grandpa's promise. You can't live off mama's promise. Every generation has to choose it for themselves. I know you come to Urshan 
and you think it's all just going to happen and it's all just going to work out because daddy's a preacher. And so I inherit revival because daddy's a preacher. Grandpa paved the way. So because grandpa paved the way, I know I'm going to go ahead and make it, not because I do anything, but because grandpa chose it. No, grandpa can't choose it for you. Mama can't choose it for you. You have to make up in your mind, I choose this. I choose this. I choose revival. I choose it for myself. Every generation must choose it for themselves. First Samuel, the Philistines had defeated Israel, had killed the two priests from Shiloh, Hophni and Phinehas, and upon hearing the word of the defeat, the high priest also fell over and died. But the greatest of all tragedies was the ark had been seized by the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant. No longer Israel would know God's presence being with them. But in chapter 7, it appeared hope was on the horizon as the ark was coming back into Israel's possession. So this new generation had to decide to seek God for themselves. Just getting the ark back wouldn't be enough. This new generation had to choose for themselves. Thank God for spiritual leadership. Thank God for a Samuel who stood up in the midst of this situation. For Samuel 7 verse 3, he said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do this for your generation, then do it with all your heart. And put away the foreign gods and the Asheroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord. Does this sound familiar? Generations later Josiah would do the same thing it takes a spiritual leader who is not afraid to stand up in the face of apostasy and stand up in the face of questioning and doubt and stand up in the face of a generation who really could care less and a spiritual leader to say if you're going to do it you've got to make up your mind for yourself if you're going to do it you've got to choose it for yourself Because if you will, Samuel said, he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. If you'll choose for yourself the same deliverance your father saw, you're going to see. If you choose it for yourself, the same deliverance that your grandpa saw, you will see for yourself. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Asherah. And they served the Lord only because every generation must choose revival for themselves. Thank God for the spiritual leader, Samuel, who called them to this commitment and led Israel into revival. But not only must every generation choose revival for themselves, every generation must choose truth for themselves. can't be grandpa's truth it's got to be your truth it can't be your ancestor's truth it's got to be your truth it cannot be my truth that I try to preach every week in chapel it's got to become your truth it's got to get down deep inside of you every generation for Abraham 
It was the call out of Ur to look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. But it wasn't that moment there at, at Ur. It wasn't that moment he first heard God's voice that it happened in Abraham's life. Though Abraham trusted God for the moment of the first call in Genesis 12, I believe it wasn't until Mount Moriah that Abraham truly caught a glimpse of who God really was. Years had passed and Abraham served faithfully. But I believe it was at Moriah that Abraham became convinced of the truth of who God was. There came a moment even in the four, in that great man's life where he had to decide this is for me. And no matter what mistakes I've made, no matter what paths I've taken, it's all led me to here. And I've got to make up my mind and choose to see and choose to, for the truth for myself. For Isaac, his son, it wasn't until he camped in the valley of Gerar. And it wasn't until he dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And it wasn't until he went from Gerar to Beersheba that the Lord appeared to him in the night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. It was not until Beersheba that Abraham that Isaac built an altar for himself because he had heard the promise to his daddy he had heard his mom and daddy talk about it God was going to make our seed as the sand of the seashore and as the stars of the heaven but Isaac was just living on daddy and mama's promise and, and Isaac was just telling mama and daddy's story and Isaac kept re re repeating what his mom and daddy had told him but it wasn't until Beersheba when Isaac heard God's voice himself and Isaac said I'm going to make this my own this is not no longer my daddy's truth this is my truth I'm going to redig a well I'm going to build an altar I'm going to make this truth my own there's got to come a moment there's got to come a moment in your life when no longer what your pastor preached you just accept it and you just try to live it because when it has no power and it has no authority because it's all still up here there's got to come a moment in a prayer room somewhere or in a fasting moment somewhere where it gets from your head down deep in your heart and you make up your mind this is my truth this is what I believe because every generation must choose truth for themselves. No longer would Isaac do this because his daddy did it. At Beersheba, he chose it for himself. Abraham, Isaac, every generation has to choose it for themselves. But Jacob, he needed several encounters. But truly... It all started for Jacob at Peniel. Because after that all-night wrestling match, Jacob said, I saw God face to face. And it was there. His name was changed. And it was there at Peniel that he got up from that wrestling match and began walking with the visible limp. His walk would never be the same after that. It wasn't Grandpa's faith that changed the way he walked. It wasn't daddy's faith that changed the way he walked. It wasn't until Jacob came face to face with God himself. 
It wasn't until Jacob wrestled and grabbed and reached for and struggled. And it wasn't until Jacob said, I'm tired of living on daddy and grandpa's faith. I'm tired of just living on stories that were never my own. I am desperate for something to happen in my life. And it wasn't until that moment when Jacob saw God face to face. Everything changed because Jacob said, I choose this for me. I choose it for me. Every generation must choose for themselves. Yeah, he needed Bethel. He needed a few other encounters. He needed denial. Jacob finally made his mind up. For himself, because every generation has to choose truth for themselves. And lastly, not only must every generation choose revival for themselves, every generation's got to make up their mind to put away some things for themselves. Every generation must choose truth for themselves. It's got to become your truth. Not your truth in the sense of what a world says. Get your own truth. I'm talking about the truth becoming your truth. But every generation must have its own spiritual leaders. Your generation needs some spiritual leaders. And I believe there's some sitting in this room. You're feeling a tug at your heart. God's calling you to something higher. This generation needs a Samuel. This generation needs an Abraham. This generation needs a Moses, a David. This generation needs a Paul and a Peter. Every generation must have its own spiritual leaders. Paul wrote to his son in the faith, 2 Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my Dearly beloved son. He says, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience. There's a call back to Paul's letting know I, this has been passed down from my forefathers, but I, this became mine. He said, that's why with pure conscience, without ceasing, I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day. Because, Timothy, you got to make up your mind for yourself. It's not going to just happen, Timothy. That's why I'm praying for you. I'm praying you get a hold of something for yourself. I want to see you, Timothy. But I may be filled with joy. And then he said, Timothy, I've been thinking about this lately. I've been remembering that true, genuine faith that first dwelt in your grandmother. Grandma Lois, she was so powerful, Timothy. She prayed when nobody else in your family knew God like we know God. But your grandma, Timothy, she paved this way, Timothy. I've been thinking about that lately. I want you to remember that. How precious your grandmother was. She's one of the main reasons you're here today, Timothy. Not only your grandma, I've watched it hand down 
your mother Eunice. What a faithful woman of God your mom was, Timothy. Faithful, consistent. Timothy, you probably remember coming home at night. Thought your mama was already asleep. But as you walked past her bedroom door, you heard a voice. And she was calling out your name in prayer. Don't forget that, Timothy. But really, I tell you all that. I want you to remember your grandma. I want you to remember your mom. Because I am persuaded that that same faith, it's in you. It's there. I'm convinced you have what it takes. You have a great lineage, Timothy. But I want you to remember that. And I want you to believe me that I believe it's in you. But I'm putting you in remembrance so that you will stir up the gift of God that is in you. Here, I don't believe Paul was talking about the Holy Ghost. Stir up the Holy Ghost. I think we can preach that. I don't think that's what he was talking about. I believe Paul was calling Timothy to recognize that when we put our hands on you, Timothy, and we prayed that that faith that we knew was in you would come to the surface. We be I believe, Timothy, there was a gift God placed in your life. There was a calling God placed on your life. And so, Timothy, I want you to fan into flame that gift God has given you. It's not enough, Timothy, to know it's been promised to you. It's not enough to know it's available to you. You have to stir it up. Up, you have to fan it into a flame. Because God, Timothy, has not given you a spirit of cowardice. That spirit that's in you, Timothy, is not a spirit of timidity. It's not something you ought to cower in the corner afraid. But that call God's place on your life. I know you stand in a generation who's about to just want their ears tickled, Timothy. They're just going to hear what they want to hear, Timothy. I know the world's going crazy. I know it's getting dark. But hear me, Timothy. You've got a gift and a call of God in your life. Stir it up. Fan it into flame. Don't be afraid. Don't be a coward. Don't be timid. Hear me, because that gift in you, it's not a spirit of fear. It's not a spirit of cowardice. It is one of power. It is one of supernatural ability. It is one where you can see miracles, Timothy. It is one where you can see revival in your ministry, Timothy. It is one where you will see the power of God flow through your life. Stir it up. Stir it up. Make it your own, Timothy. Choose it for yourself. It's power. It's agape love. It's the ability to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's ability to love other people no matter where you find them. This call, this, this gift of God, it's full of power. It's full of a love that can change this world, Timothy. 
and it's full of a sound mind or self-control or prudence or wisdom. This is not your ordinary gift of God, Timothy. This is not an ordinary call, Timothy. This is something that you're going to have to decide for yourself. This gift you have is the gift I told the Ephesian church about. It's a gift of spiritual leadership for the perfecting of the saints. That's what it's for, Timothy. I've called you to bring hope to the saints, to build up the church, to awaken the church, and to call them to revival in these end times, Timothy. So fan the flame of the gift of God. You have a call on your life, Timothy. Don't be timid about it. Don't act with cowardice, but stir up the gift. Musicians, come. Because Timothy, the Holy Ghost in you, has given you power, love, wisdom, self-control. Timothy, your generation is looking to you to be the spiritual leader they need. Because every generation must have spiritual leadership. Timothy, that church you're pastoring needs your spiritual leadership, so don't be afraid. Don't be a coward. Don't be timid. Don't be shy. Your church needs your spiritual leadership. Your generation needs your spiritual leadership. So don't be a coward. Don't be timid. And don't be shy. Your dorm needs your spiritual leadership. So don't be a coward. Don't be timid. And don't be shy. This campus needs your spiritual leadership. So don't be a coward. Don't be timid. Don't be shy. For God's not giving you that spirit. He's giving you one of power and of love and a sound mind. So today, choose you this day. Because every generation has to choose for themselves. I was praying at my desk at home this morning. I've got a little statement here just to the right that I wrote down. Right next to my notes. Right here at the end. I'll show you I wrote it. not typed out. I wrote it. No sooner in the spirit of prayer had I written that. My phone started ringing. On the other end of the line, silent for a brief second, then I recognized the voice. It's a preacher that I admire immensely. Brother McClintock, get ready to preach. Yes, sir. Because I just felt to call you. The Lord told me to tell you. To do what he tells you. And say what he told you to say. 
I started shaking a little bit in my seat. But this is what I wrote. I believe there is coming the greatest awakening. Last week I gave you some words of Charles Finney. There have been great awakenings before. But I wrote this down. I believe there is coming the greatest awakening. And then I wrote this. I said, Lord, let it start right here among us. You were not ordinary young men and women. You have been positioned for the greatest of awakenings. You have been positioned in an hour that is so dark. It is so twisted. It is so evil. But in the midst of that, there's a Josiah who God is calling you not to be coward and not to be timid and not to be afraid and not to be fearful. Because the gift of God and the calling of God has been placed in you that I am pleading with you, stir it up and fan it into flame because it's a spirit of power and it's a spirit of miracles and it's a spirit of might and it's a spirit of love and it's a spirit of wisdom and self-control. God is calling this generation. Every generation needs spiritual leadership. God's reaching for you. God's calling for you. Commit yourself. Dig that well again, Isaac. Redig it way down. Choose truth for yourself. Choose truth for yourself. Choose revival for yourself. Choose your gift and calling for yourself. Come on, I want us to find a place to seek the Lord right now. Come on, God's reaching for you. God's calling you. Don't be a coward, Timothy. Don't be a coward, Timothy. That's not the spirit you have. Your spirit is one of power. Come on, lift your voices right now. Come on, lift your voices right now. Come on, lift your voices and call on that name. Come on, faculty and staff, I want you to pray over these students right now. Come on, I want you to pray. Pray wisdom, pray power, pray anointing, pray, pray faith. Pray a boldness over them right now. We need these young men and women. You are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're going to show the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Come on, choose it for yourself. Come on, don't worry who's next to you. Don't worry who's around you. You gotta choose it for yourself.